Hi guys, this is another episode of Merlisten, the bi-monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, the show, the fandom and everything to do with it. I'm Amotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today is another episode in which we review one of the BBC Merlin's episodes. And today we are going to talk about episode three of season one, The Mark of Nimue. And I do actually really love this episode. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It's one of my guilty pleasures. I just, I don't know what it is about it. I just think it's, it's really heartwarming. I don't know. Aww. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Before we get into it, quickly, let's have some news. Merlin Olympics is back for the Winter Games. The prompting started on the 30th of December, which was yesterday. And you can claim your prompt on January 5th. Posting will be in February. Check out the Live Journal community for more information. A bunch of creators are putting together a fanthology called Resurrection. They're going to call for artists and writers in January 2018. But to get some information up front about what the fanthology is and what they hope to include in it, Check out their post on LifeJournal. Real Merlin is going to have a mandatory check-in on January 5th. We'll remind you about that next episode. All right. I'm going to read you guys the episode summary for this episode. And I don't think I got this from the Merlin Wikipedia because I would have written it down if I did. So... Possibly I made it up. I'm not sure. <laughs> a sorceress forms a sculpture from water and clay and places it inside an egg. Not much later, Camelot's water is poisoned, all who drink it falling ill. Even Gwen's father becomes ill, and Merlin, only wishing to help, heals him with magic. Later, Gwen is captured and accused of sorcery. Now Merlin must find and vanquish the creature that lives beneath the castle, with Arthur's help. There we go. There we have it. Some quick statistics. Indeed. The episode aired on the 4th of October 2008, and we have three female characters with lines, uh, two of the main cast, which are, of course, Gwen and Morgana, and uh, one supporting cast, which is Nimue. And then we have five male characters with lines, so four of the main cast, Arthur, Merlin, Gaius, and Uther, and one supporting cast, Tom. We love Tom. Um, we love Tom. Uh, the enemy or monster of the week is an Afank, uh, and, uh, Nimue, of course. And then we have, oh, of, uh, of course the dragon must appear because, you know, he always needs to stick his oar in. And then, uh, <laughs> the Afank, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Arthur and Merlin kill one creature in this episode, and that is the Afank. So there are your statistics this week. Thank you, Rox. You're welcome. Okay, a quick venture into our creaturology, the Avang. It is a lake monster from Welsh mythology. It's not entirely clear what the Avang actually does, except, you know, <laughs> like, no, but because 
Okay, I was reading up on it, and I could never really find why people try to hunt it or kill it. I just could just find, you know, sources of them trying to hunt or kill it. So, you know, it looks monstrous. Uh, sometimes it's described as like a large beaver or something. Sometimes it's like a crocodile or a mixture of all the things. So, you know, it looks probably frightening. And, you know, but that's basically all it does. And then there are stories where the Avang fell asleep in the lap of a young girl or a young woman and uh, people clad it in, in chains to capture it. And of course, the Avang wakes up and thrashes about and accidentally kills the young woman. But that's literally it. I mean, I would be angry too if I was sleeping peacefully in the lap of a pretty young woman and then someone chained me up. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm yeah. sort of feeling for the Avang here. <laughs> So the 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 Avank is now the Elsa of this episode. <laughs> He's misunderstood. It's the underdog. <laughs> the underdog story that we never knew. So, guys, last last episode we asked you to look out for hidden uh, themes in Merlin. <laughs> yes, we and did. the underdog story featuring all the villains and creatures is now a theme. <laughs> Look out for that in future episodes to come. The Afank is the original underdog of this <laughs> episode. Exactly. So yeah, there are several leg legends and stories surrounding the Avang. And in some of them, it's King Arthur who kills it. So there we have the connection back to our story. There we go. That's there we our go. monster. That's our monster, our creature. But honestly, okay, you're joking about the whole underdog thing, but even in this episode, you know, this Avang wasn't doing anything. Like, it was created by Nimue, minding its own business. It was just living in the water under the castle. It didn't know it was doing anything wrong. Yeah, but to be fair, it was poisoning the water supply and killing yes but it didn't know that it was doing that and it didn't choose to live there yeah <laughs> but like you know if you're gonna take that approach then no <laughs> animal knows it's not meant to brutally murder humans when they go on savannah you know they, they just think oh food that walks <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> come on now the poor lion it didn't know that it was doing anything wrong honestly why would you go onto the savannah i mean you know there are lions it's your I own fault in I would love to go on a safari, I'm not going to lie. So maybe I'm, it's coming from a personal <laughs> kind of fear of being eaten alive by lions. And you know what? The poetic irony would be true because The Lion King is my favorite film. So <laughs> I would probably sit there while it was chewing me to pieces going, you know what? At least you inspired the greatest animated film of all time. So props to you, lion. <laughs> Guys, we also bring you comedy here at Merlison. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm fine now. <clears throat> so let's talk about what we didn't like about this episode. Didn't like? Okay. Well, you've thrown me through a loop there. I was about to start talking about all the good stuff. But... No, we, we do right. the dislikes first so then we can end with the good stuff. 
but I can I, like I can start with the dislike since yeah, you, you don't sure. dislike anything about this episode. So. Oh, I'm sure I do, but I just <laughs> okay. wasn't prepared, you know. Okay. So you go first. Okay. So I mean, I don't really have big stuff, but like there is this moment relatively early on when Uther calls Gaius to the to the throne room or whatever to ask him, you know, what's going on here. And guys, it's like, well, I didn't come to you because the scientific process is a long one and it takes time to determine the cause of of this illness. And in the next moment, he's like, well, I think magic is to blame. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. Sorcery. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, first, he's like, well, I don't know yet, sire. That's why I didn't say anything before. And then he's like, well, I think it's sorcery. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh. God. <laughs> oh, that's just oh my god and the other thing is and it it bugs me every time okay so tom gets ill gwen is distraught and then merlin heals tom which you know let's have this discussion in a moment or ever <laughs> but tom gets better Gwen is happy, Tom is happy, and I'm just like, listen, you live in a castle, or in the town of a castle, where there is a king who hates everything magic, and who is deeply suspicious of anything that could be just looking like magic, and yet you don't think that being miraculously cured from an illness that has so far killed everyone else who has been diseased with it you know, you might want to keep this maybe secret or find another explanation for why you got better. I mean, I like I know Tom and Gwen didn't do anything wrong and then and that they don't know how Tom got better. But honestly, they are not so thick that they can see that, you know, this might look suspicious to someone from the outside. No, I know what you mean. Although in their defense, it's like, Anything they would have done would have aroused suspicion because he gets better and then he's just in his shop minding his own business and Arthur comes up to him and starts asking questions. And Arthur and even think, gives him the chance. He's like, well, maybe you had a different illness. And Tom's uh, like, no, no, yeah. I I was, you know, that was the same thing. I was like, no, why? <laughs> Why would Arthur even do that? It's like, <laughs> just give him a chance to, like, out, you know. Just Honestly, because Arthur is a good bro, and he just, you know, he was like, well, you're Gwen's father, and I know that Gwen is a good person, so you must be a good person, too. I don't think you would use magic, so please give me an explanation that I can give someone else. And I'm just like, Honestly, Tom, you're... You're smarter than that. Yeah, I see. And he implicated mean. his own daughter without even realizing. I mean, he could have. Ah, it just makes me so angry every time. <laughs> um. Okay, I think I can. Okay, there is one thing actually that kind of comes to mind because really, like in like structurally and stuff. I mean, I don't. I don't really have anything that negative to say about the episode except for the usual stuff that it doesn't really fit into any kind of like you know it doesn't really follow on from episode two which doesn't follow on from episode one it just stands there 
as another episode and things happen in Camelot. That's just a general complaint overall. You know, um, there's not a lot of world building going on. There's not a lot of, um, you know, wider awareness of, you know, Camelot or anything like that. But there is a, a thing that I just, uh, realized when Gaius has that noble the dead noble woman on his uh on his desk and Merlin's like you know he's trying to get him to um you know think more analytically he's like um oh she's a noble woman yes so what does that tell you and he's like oh noble women rarely go into the into the lower town and so Merlin's like well then then the disease isn't isn't uh spread through contact and I'm just like uh, and like the way that he gets to the fact that it must be in the water it's like well i doubt that they drink the same food and i doubt that yeah blah blah blah. and it's like look noble people have servants servants and peasants must go in and out of the citadel all the time in order to trade in order to work and it's like that it just seems like a very very like short-sighted way of trying to decipher where this disease is coming from and it's just like a bit of a guy's ex machina where like you know it's just kind of like oh it must be the water let's shave off another 20 minutes of this episode <laughs> to try and figure out where it's actually coming from it's like yes noble people and peasants never mixed in the middle ages it's also like they don't the, this moment where Merlin's like they don't breathe the same air and I'm like what <laughs> how did they not I mean they I mean, the one of them breathes air in up in the castle, and the other one breathes air down in the lower town. But it's still essentially the same air. <sighs> Season uh, one, <laughs> uh, writers. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it's. I think honestly, that's the only kind of thing that I can think of is yeah, just the usual complaints of you know um the uh the episodic nature of the way that things are. But I think the reason why I don't have as much to complain about here as I maybe did in the other episodes is because it, I do think it's a bit of a stronger episode in terms of tension and stakes and just progressing the themes that they were trying to put forward in season one, which is keep Merlin's magic a secret. I feel like that definitely was kind of, we see more of that and the stakes are higher. And to their defense, episode one to four, you do definitely see the stakes getting higher and higher and higher. And then things just kind of like the middle of the season, I feel is like very weak. You've got five, six and seven, which nothing really happens to kind of make me feel like things are heating up to some big finale. Obviously eight, you've got the introduction of Mordred, which is really significant to the legends and things. But um, I feel like the build up to, up to episode four was really good and then we've got the Lancelot episode which is a good episode but I feel like it could have come earlier I feel like it was a bit misplaced where it was right so three I think is a really good kind of stepping stone to where we're going in terms of tension I don't know if you agree with that yeah I do and I mean you it does introduce the well I, I use these words loosely but it does introduce the central villain of exactly. the first season. So, yeah. and, and we learned that there is some sort of past between Nimoy and Uther that Gaius knows about and that Absolutely. no one else must ever know about. So, I mean, that in that regard, 
that's a that's a really strong point because it makes you curious and you want to know more of course so yeah we're already venturing into what we like about this episode so yeah i mean there's really not i can't think of much no that's good it's good let's let's just uh it's it's a seamless segue so just keep going Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to go off of what you said straight now. Yeah, I love the fact that we're actually getting some kind of seasonal storytelling now. Like we've got the we have a mystery to solve. The audience has a mystery to solve. Who is Nimue? She's presented as just this, you know, evil cave villain, but she's not. What is this? She does have this past with these characters. Should Arthur be told the truth about Nimue? And it's like, well, first of all, we know Gaius knows who she is. We know that Uther knows who she is. And we know that they must have somehow defeated her in the past just by that kind of, you know, their reaction to her. And we know that Uther is now keeping a secret from Arthur. And that is obviously something that is going to be so important later on. And yeah, it's really, really great. And I actually feel like, um, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like it's easy to forget that this is the first time we hear about that secret. I think everyone maybe thinks it was in the next episode because she, like they actually see her in court and they have like that whole thing where they're kind of shocked that they couldn't have recognized her and things like that. But it, there's just that one throwaway line at the end of this episode where it's like the secret about Nimue. And it's just really great to actually yeah, build that suspense. And it's the first actual long-term story thread that we have, which is really good actually in, very needed at this point yeah i absolutely agree i absolutely agree yeah what's your next uh thing that that you appreciate about the episode well i really like the ethical dilemma that merlin is facing because he has magic he can save all these people from this sickness but by doing so he would arise suspicion he would draw suspicion maybe onto himself, maybe onto Gaius. Definitely he wouldn't do anything to, you know, calm down Uther. Because now, like, at worst, Uther believes that there are two sorcerers now. And even though one of them would be doing good, Uther doesn't care. <laughs> no, I mean, he literally doesn't yeah. care. You know, know, with him, it's just like, sorcery is all the same. And Uther would probably be like, well, this other person who's healing them must have another goal in mind. Maybe they want to blackmail us or, you know, something. Um, so Merlin is faced with this ethical dilemma that he knows how to save these people, but Gaius forbids him. And Merlin doesn't understand why Gaius forbids him to do it, because Gaius doesn't really explain all Gaius says is, you know, people like... Uther is already suspicious. What do you think will happen if you, if you do more? And he doesn't say what, like he keeps Merlin in suspense. And Merlin clearly, you know, no matter how old you think he is, he's definitely inexperienced. Oh God, he really, (laughs) he really is. He doesn't think about the consequences because he, you know, to him, the consequence is people live. He doesn't think about what might happen if if the poultice is found somewhere or if someone gets magically better. He doesn't realize what might happen because he's got no reason to think about it because, you know, that's that's not a concern he has. 
So, you know, Guy has totally failed him. It's just... <laughs> well, there's the thing where, like, after Gwen gets sentenced to death, which is, again, quite, like, you know, dramatic, Guy drags him back to his room. And he's like, how could you be so stupid? And he's just, like, you know, yelling at him. And then Merlin's like, I'll, I'll just... I'll, I'll cure everyone. No one will have to know it was magic. And then Caius goes, it's too late. They think Gwen's a sorceress and that she caused the disease. And it's just like this brilliant argument where it's just like, you idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? And he's just, yeah, so kind of, ah, oh, so naive. Absolutely. This is definitely one of those episodes where you're just like, oh, Merlin, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but I can't, I can't really blame Merlin because... He's just a baby. He doesn't know better. It's, I mean, that's the point that Merlin doesn't know better. And Gaius, and this is my beef with Gaius the whole time, like throughout the entire show. Gaius also, just like Uther, just like I said last episode, just like Uther is very much the conceal don't feel type of person. He's like, hide your magic. Don't nurture it. Don't learn anything about it. Just forget it. You have it basically you know and if he would take the time to explain things to merlin instead of assuming that merlin already knows what guys is thinking because clearly merlin doesn't know so many things could have been avoided they really could have god it's- i'm just so angry oh. <laughs> yeah but i still like you know the ethical dilemma you like i i like that we have to think about this like what would we do even knowing the consequences uh that we do where someone then gets wrongly accused and you still face this dilemma of do i help or do i not help like i can save a bunch of people but i could also risk one or two people in turn at best myself at worst someone else and um this is also the episode where we continue with the whole. So, um, just a recap. When we spoke about Merlin as a character in a previous episode of the podcast, we spoke about, um, him kind of in season one, really like wanting the spotlight and wanting to be noticed for his magic and that being really important to him. And then as the seasons go on and as he realizes, you know, and kind of becomes more of a realist, that's not going to happen. And this episode is actually very good because we have that kind of spoiled child in him going, how long do I have to wait to be recognized? And he and and that is a line that he has, like, you know, because he's saying like, oh, I can cure everyone. And and Gaius is just like, no, because you'll get killed or something like your time will come. And he's like, when? How long do I have to wait? And comparing that Merlin to the Merlin in season five, it's almost like it's just unbelievable that, that that they're the same person but of course they are because people change but it's just unbelievable and colin is a genius for being able to do that because it's just wonderful so i'm just gonna jump right in because i've been waiting for ages to talk about merlin and gwen <laughs> because i just oh do you ship it people do you ship it because i sure as hell did and they're just i mean the crush is just too much for me to handle and the flower and like how he has no idea (laughs) that he likes him and he does it for her and it's just like the scene between them um 
uh, when he checks up on her after his um, after her father is better is probably my favorite scene with them ever. It's just so like tender and lovely and how she and like and it's quite funny actually like and they've and like it's really well acted it almost looks improved like how um how she's like so what am i thinking and he says that i'm not psychic and she kind of has that giggle and then you know she calls him strange and um and then she has that little moment where she's just kind of like oh i didn't mean that in a in a nasty way and i'm just like oh (laughs) they're just so precious and the exact opposite of Martha in every way and everything else that I love but in a completely different way and how she's like so like in love with him and I just I can't and they could like even if they'd have dragged that out for a bit longer I would have been so happy to just see them together for a little bit but no it wasn't meant to be I know that you quite appreciate their scenes in this episode as well don't you yeah I do I mean that's that's one of the things I like it's like you know it's the Mergwin episode if there ever was one like this is their this is definitely their episode the way they are with each other in this episode is just it's it's really adorable and cute and like you said tender and lovely and I I like it I like and it like, I can I definitely would act- see why people ship it yeah, it's a shame it kind of fizzled out. I mean, and also I will say, I think that I would say this is one of Angel's best performances of the whole s- s- show. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that statement, but I just, she, she has so much that she has to do here. And I always prefer her portrayal of season one when anyway, but you know, from going, from those really lovely sweet scenes to the scene where her where she realizes her father is sick and that scene where she's with Gaius and she's crying her eyes out I'm like oh man like I think it's one of her best performances I would say the like as a whole um I think her best scene that she's ever actually performed um probably would be when Arthur's yelling at her after she's been caught with Lancelot but um, I think as a whole, this episode, she really shines in it. She's got a lot to do in this episode, and it's really great to see her flex her her acting muscles quite a bit. Like when she's like talking to Uther and she's legitimately like sobbing because she like is like, I don't know how to stop this. And she's just like, please, like, I don't know. And it's just so like heartbreaking. And she looks so young and oh, she's really great in this episode. Like definitely kudos to her for this because she yeah she really pulled at my heartstrings in this one yeah i agree i agree yeah i mean i have only a few more like small things i mean there were maybe one or two murder moments in this episode that i as a shipper like like the way arthur eyes that flower in merlin's scarf with a bit of <laughs> jealousy and um yeah. then what I really like is the moment when Merlin bursts into the council room and is like, I did it, I'm the sorcerer. And then this whole thing with, you know, he's in love with Gwen. And then Arthur puts a hand on Merlin's shoulder and he's like, there's no way he's a sorcerer. And the way Arthur says it and the way he just looks at Merlin at that time, I was convinced Arthur knew Merlin. Really? Yeah, because oh, I feel like I the way he emphasized it and just 
stares at Merlin imploringly like there is no way Merlin is a sorcerer and I'm like Arthur is communicating shut up Merlin I'm handling this I'm not going to risk your life over this because I know you didn't do it and if you did do it you only meant to do well like you only meant to do something good so yeah that's you Ah. know that's really interesting because I kind of saw it as like yeah the same intonation that you're talking about that there's no way he's a sorcerer and he's looking him in the eyes i kind of see it as him being like look i've not known you very long but i can see that you're you kind of want to help people and you're very much you know kind of and you care about gwen and you you know so you're trying to take the rap here when you haven't done it and don't do it because i care about you and i don't want you to get killed for this and i don't care about gwen as much as i care about you at the moment so <laughs> well he doesn't he, yeah. he he barely knows her you know and again they don't they're not that close yet but you know i think he does care for him and i think it's more him being like don't try and be a hero mate <laughs> and like you know just kind of like shut up but not because he knows just because he's like i know what you're like and you'll try and you'll die for this and like you know but i think you can definitely read it as both although you know both it's canon that he didn't know but i don't know <laughs> no i mean yeah now yeah. i know that he didn't know but yeah, still it looking still looking back at it i'm like you know this this is how i probably would have acted if i had known i was like shut up i'm trying to save your life here I mean, even your interpretation also works as a chippy moment. So, you know, I'm not complaining. You know, it's kind of, and I think this does fit in here, seeing as we're talking about, you know, this is valid in this episode, that, you know, does he know kind of thing, you know, and they play with that. I don't know if they really play with that that much in the show, but definitely, like, I'm thinking about, yeah, because obviously it, you know, Lancelot figures it out. Gwen even figures it out, even though not as quickly. And I feel like, it's one of those things where because he's around Arthur so much, you would expect that Arthur would have figured it out. So either we can either say that he was just so much seeing Merlin as the man that Merlin was trying to portray himself, which is his bumbling idiot, coward, you know, whatever, that he lit- was so good at that act that it was just like, well, of course he's not, you know, this evil person. But um, I would actually quite like to have seen it portrayed in the way that so, so have you seen the second spider-man movie like the original one um with uh, the, like, maybe maybe well, obviously it's a it's a similar thing right the superhero secret identity and so at the end of the first movie she kisses him and uh she recognizes the kiss from when he was spider-man and so she secretly feels like she knows and the whole way through the second movie she's i think kind of in denial that she knows and um there's a scene like she's like seen constantly doubting herself and being like, no, it can't possibly be. It can't possibly be. And there's even a scene where she asks him to, to kiss her just to kind of set her mind at rest. And uh, when it, it's revealed that that's who he is, she's got this look on her face of like, oh, almost thank God that I wasn't going insane, you know. Um, but we've had. But so the, the development of her knowing is shown on screen but it's not at the same time. So it's really cool. And um, if they'd have done something like that, I think that would have been really, really good. Like kind of that we see him knowing without really knowing. And then when he finds out, it's more of a confirmation than anything. But not like, but not like a, I knew all along, but kind of, I just want to know the truth because it's driving me mad. It's a shame that that didn't happen. But you know, 
you know, we've got headcanon and this can match into that, you know, him being like, there's no way he's a sorcerer. So let's talk about Gaius's sass. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I have many issues with Gaius, but his sass is not one of them. <laughs> I got 99 problems, but Gaius's sass ain't one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I mean, just as, uh, when, you know, when he's leading Marlin to the conclusion that it must be in the water, however far-fetched that conclusion is, um, at the end he's like, Merlin, you're a prodigy. <laughs> yeah. There's also a line in that same scene when he's like, look at this dead body. What can you tell me about her? And Merlin goes, she's a woman. And he goes, sometimes I wonder if your magical talents were given to the right person. It's <laughs> just, <laughs> what else? <laughs> And again, just he—he he has no chill. It's like, how could you be so stupid? It's just like, it's really great. And okay, so the best line of all five seasons, literally, um, is when after Merlin has just tried to take the rap for for the Afank and everything, and he comes back to the to to Gaius's room, and Gaius is like, Arthur just saved your life, you know, and then Merlin's like. Arthur thinks he's so sharp. Even when I told him that I was a wizard, he still couldn't see it. And the guy goes, wizards are very hard to spot. And then goes, well, maybe I should walk around wearing a pointy hat. And it's just, it's the best. And by the way, the only time in all five seasons that we hear them using the word wizard, which I think is very interesting. And I, I'm thinking maybe Colin fucked that line up because why would they write wizard and not sorcerer? Like, <laughs> it's very weird. But yeah, the pointy hat line, I just remember loving back in the day. And it, and it just shows that Merlin has got the sass as well, you know? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Merlin, Merlin is such a cheeky bugger, honestly. He is, he is sassy to no end. I think he learns it from Gaius, probably. <laughs> he and Arthur would, no, no, because obviously he, the most sassy we've ever heard him is when he, gives it to Arthur in the first two times that they meet and he's like you know oh my lord and all the rest of it and true and like you know oh I never had a friend who could be such an you know he's like Merlin has already been sassy Merlin has been born sassy that way yeah you know (laughs) Merlin, Merlin was born sassy clearly okay another thing I wrote down is Arthur's long brown coat just that yeah (laughs) literally i mean it looks it looks so good on him honestly and i just i mourn all the wardrobe that we lost in later seasons because i mean just okay just think about it he goes in tunic and trousers and with that coat to fight the avank uh with morgana and merlin and later like especially season five Anywhere he goes, he wears chainmail. I mean, maybe it's because now he's king and he feels like he has to wear the chainmail to protect himself. But it's just, Arthur, honestly, you have other clothes. Please wear them. <laughs> so yeah, Arthur's long brown coat. I, I lead, I lead an appreciation life of that coat because it, he looks so good in it. Yeah. Uh, also just, uh, with that scene with the code and when they go to fight the Avang. Okay, so Merlin is leading the way 
into the into the dungeons or wherever they're going to to the water source Arthur is following him and Arthur is followed by Morgana and then like in the middle of the courtyard Arthur just draws his sword and I'm like nobody questions this like he's following his servant the lady Morgana is following him they are all three going somewhere purposefully (laughs) and Arthur just drew his sword in the middle of the courtyard and I'm like honestly honestly. it's um that that scene where you're like no one noticed anything i'm like it um there's this it reminds me of this really funny scene in the aristocats where this mouse is leading all the alley cats to save the day and they're (laughs) running after him and this guy just pours his wine (laughs) train because he's like what's going on um yeah it's just like you you, you can always find a disney reference in merlin like for sure um (laughs) and a new theme a new hidden theme (laughs) hidden mickey Mickey of the week Um, exactly so we have now our themes are now accidental underdog (laughs) of the week and also um, accidental disney reference (laughs) yeah the trappings of destiny is a big hidden theme um but so just kind of on a semi-final note, I just wanted to kind of analyze the the scene where Gwen is sentenced to death uh, quite closely because we've got a lot of really cool things happening in that scene. We've obviously got Angel's really great performance and Merlin like standing by, but um, it's Arthur and Morgana I kind of wanted to discuss because um, you you really start to feel the tensions between Uther and Morgana like really well, but also how smart she is because she says look i've seen the way that she works you know her hands are worn and if she was a sorceress why would she you know why would she clean things by hand it makes no sense you know which is true you know and it's um and it's quite cool that she kind of comes up with that really logical argument and it's kind of you know we don't see much of that intelligent side of morgana like you know much in the later seasons and i really appreciate that um and, you know, just her standing up for Gwen in general and being a good person. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And, of course, we have um, her standing up to Uther and calling him an idol king, which is, you know, the start of their kind of, you know, no good. And Arthur, with his conversation, you know, with his father, and we have the beginnings of kind of the man underneath, you know, the prince kind of thing of him being like, you know, um, yes, I know magic is an evil, but, you know, um, I don't believe that evil is in this girl's heart. Maybe she just used magic to save her father's life, which again, it's just like all these inconsistencies <laughs> because he doesn't have any future kind of, like he never says anything like that in season two or anything of the sort, apart from obviously when he meets more goes, maybe. But I mean, I don't feel, I don't know. I can't really tell where they were going with Arthur and his magic. We've discussed this already, but it's just that particularly, like he literally says, you know, um, he's like, she used magic. You know that he's like, yes, maybe just to save her father's life. And it's like, well, hang on. So you don't think magic is evil. And then he says, yes, I know magic is an evil father. So I'm like, make up your mind, you know? Um, And then you've got that lovely line of, um, I do have a sense of the kind of Camelot I wish to live in. It will be one where the punishment fits the crime. Which I think is a really, really good line because it's not him being a pushover where the punishment fits the crime. And there's a Tumblr post that I actually saw. Again, I'm sorry, I don't have it to hand, but um, where someone analysed his death and the way that he dies and the way that Mordred kills him and how he knows Mordred has betrayed him. They walk up to each other, facing each other, and Arthur is 
someone that forgives. He likes to forgive. He's fair and he stands and he gives Mordred a chance to not do what he knows he's about to do. And Mordred stabs him. And then someone wrote that he's also a fair judge. And so he stabs him right back. And it's like, it almost feels like a full circle moment of that quote. It will be where the punishment fits the crime. You know, it's just really, it's really nice to see things come full circle like that. Wow. Feelings. Yeah, so right? many feelings. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, uh, you know. No but God. yeah, so that's all I kind of, yeah, it's a really intense episode. There's a lot, a lot going on. And, oh, and I, oh, okay, now I kind of just quickly need to mention that moment where Gwen is in the, um, is locked up and Merlin goes to visit her and she's crying and she's about to die. And he's like, you know, and she's like, remember me you don't have to and it's just like it's it's a really dark episode actually you know she's gonna die in the morning yeah and all she wants is to be remembered by one person and that's what and the you know oh god i can't even deal with this but all she wants is to be remembered and unfortunately it's a classic case of be careful what you wish for because she ended up being the only person left alive to rule the kingdom damn also full circle Ah, full okay. circle is another hidden Mickey guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many hidden themes in his show. <clears throat> All oh right, God. let me end. Well, now that we brightened up your day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me end on something, on something semi happy. Well, not quite. Now that I'm reading it back, but um, look at how happy Merlin was at the end when Morgana is like, "I know your secret, and it's quite alright," and you know, you can talk to me anytime about it. And he's like, oh, that would be so great. I would be so happy to have someone to talk about it. And then Morgana is like, I know you're in love with Gwen. And Merlin is like, oh, I thought you were talking about my magic. And then he's so, uh, then he's sad again. And, you know, this is, okay, so, okay, it's not as happy as I had hoped it would be. But <laughs> it's also foreshadowing for season two when he has the chance to give Morgana someone to talk to, and then he just doesn't and see what happens. Uh, uh, but I think when we get to that, it'll be very interesting to discuss it, because I think there was no good decision he could have made there. I think any decision that he made, he was putting himself at risk in one way or another, like, truthfully. So I think that's where the whole destiny thing comes from, is that if he didn't tell Morgana, then what happened to her happened to her and he had a part in it in a way by not speaking up. But on the other hand, if he had told Morgana, how does he know that in a fit of madness she wouldn't have gone straight to Uther and told, you know, or that she would have told Mordred and, you know, he would have used that against him with Arthur. Like, you don't know, do you? So I think that's the that's the tragedy of Merlin and Morgana. They were always going to be enemies in the end because of that. And it's quite, yeah. What is happening today? <laughs> Just Well, on this happy note. <laughs> <laughs> you can always rely on us to lower the tone. But if you'd like to heighten the tone, please get in touch and leave us some feedback. Exactly. What is your favorite part of the episode? Something a little happier, I hope. <laughs> please. <laughs> Exactly. You can leave us feedback as ever on our website or by sending us an email to melissa at gmail.com. Or in January, we will finally have a 
page on AO3 where you can leave comments and kudos and everything else. Or you can just, as ever, reblog our Tumblr post and leave your commentary there. So many ways to get in touch and send us in all the good stuff about this episode. I have no excuse, guys. Come you, literally share. no excuse. <laughs> yeah, so uh, next time we're going to be talking about ships. It's an all-new category. We've done characters and we've done episodes and we'll have lots of other things coming up. But ships, we're going to be talking about our very first ship and our favorite, which is going to be Merlin and Arthur. It's going to be a long episode. It's going to be filled with really, like, good juicy fandom things so definitely tune in for that one and keep an eye out yeah definitely all the things that rock said are true (laughs) amazing yeah sometimes it just happens that way all right guys (laughs) (laughs) what Great, thanks guys. So we'll see you next time and thank you so much for listening. Once again, I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. Bye. Bye. <laughs>